Um, so let's uh, open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, Independence Day weekend. And uh, I can't tell you, as a minister in this line of work, whenever there's some big thing over the weekend, there's always this huge temptation to, like, preach on it, to use the theme of whatever it might be. I don't know. Memorial Day or whatever day and to use that and to make points based on it and I was so tempted to do that again I've done that like 15 times probably uh, you know and I, but you know, you, there's like a tractor beam to do that and I was like you know I wasn't feeling I couldn't figure out exactly which direction I wanted to go uh, we're, we're not technically in a series we were thinking about concluding the Philippian series last week and but I was sitting with Tom, he was like, man, I, I think it's fine, man. Just keep going. Let's just keep using Philippians. I was like, hey, man, I think that's a good idea. Uh, and especially since last week, many of us weren't here at 10 a.m. Uh, we, we went to worship at 3. So it was only a, about this middle part was here uh, at 10 a.m. And uh, John Boyle is a great message. Uh, just really shared from his heart and from the scriptures. And I just felt like, wow, I wish everyone could have been here uh, to hear what he was sharing uh, from his heart and God's word. And be praying for him because they are moving uh, to Abilene uh, very soon. So, so pray for them. But uh, so I, I, we talking with Tom, I thought, you know, we, there's still so much to learn from Philippians. And uh, I was convinced of it when I got together with some men. We had a men's family group uh, a couple weeks ago. And we talked about uh, some of this very passage that we'll talk about today. And, and it, it, there are principles in here that are just, we, we, we know them, but they're just hard to truly live by sometimes. And, uh, you know, who are we to think that all we need to do is hear it once and we got it mastered? Uh, hopefully that's none of us in this room. So hopefully we can approach the scriptures with humility as we continue uh, to, to see what God is teaching us as we park a little bit on a book of the Bible that has inspired many people over the years. And so we're going to look at uh, Philippians a little bit more this Sunday. Uh, I believe there's always something that, that we can learn. So let's go ahead and pray uh, for our time this morning. Father, it is great to worship you to sing songs that hopefully lift you up and through the lyrics you realize just how much we appreciate you and grateful for Jim's heart to share about giving and just how we're giving back to you, how we should be grateful for that and listening to Joe just refer to his own life of just a time where he really recognized who he was before you to hear the message of the gospel really penetrating his heart and uh, Father, I, I'm grateful to, to be able to open up the scriptures that you have given us this incredible gift, uh, chronicling all that you have done uh, with mankind. Really, it's not all you've done, but it's so much to help us understand. It's plenty enough to help us understand your love for us, your desire for our lives, your plan for us, and your heart to have us come home and make it home to you. And uh, Father, I'm grateful for this letter that Paul wrote. Uh, I know Timothy was with him, Paphroditus. I'm just grateful for this letter that was uh, sent to the church in Philippi. I'm grateful that we can, even though it wasn't written directly to us, uh, really there's so much in it for us, Father, that we can learn from. And I pray that we can really humble ourselves this morning, not get distracted, really focus in on the message that Paul is trying to really convey and 
And really, I pray that we can leave here with a desire to, to know you on a deeper level than even we feel like we know you right now. Father, I know there are people in this room that have read Philippians literally hundreds of times, but I know there's people in this room that were like Joe Mulligan, who've never really heard the message. And I pray, Father, I pray for every soul in this room. You know what they need, Father. You know. Your Holy Spirit knows. Father, I pray that our needs will be met, not in a selfish way, but just to bring you glory, that you can use an imperfect person just to expound the truths of Scripture and have them have impact. I pray for impact right now this morning through the power of your Spirit and your Word. We pray for that in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. 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 So we're going to look here in, uh, in, in Philippians, and I, I decided to read from a different translation because sometimes that helps, just kind of helps make it fresh, you know what I mean? Okay. And uh, in Philippians, you know, chapter 3, I'll kind of summarize a little bit from, from even what John preached last week, but what's what, right in front of us is, you know, Paul is really just trying to, he's trying to make a point of the humility of Jesus, and, and then he tries to talk about, you know, some people are teaching things that are not necessary in the church, that you have to, yes, you need to make Jesus Lord, but you got to be a, become a Jew first, so you have to follow all the rituals of Judaism, and then you'll be uh, really qualified to uh, be a true, real Christian, and Paul, he, he did not like that at all. He was very, very much uh, against that, and uh, then Paul kind of, he, he pivoted to, to his own, his, his personal life, and he talked about his life. And he said, you know, we're not here to just put all our faith in, in rituals or external following of, of God's law. There's something else at work. But he said, you know what? But hey, if anybody wants to have confidence, just so you know, I got plenty. And uh, he, he talks about it. And, he, and in verse, uh, verse 3, he says, you know, we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law, and I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Now you might say, man, Paul was arrogant. Man, what a prideful guy. But the Holy Spirit let him write it, and I don't think that's pride. I think that's just stating the facts in his life. But I think there's things that we can even learn when we look at all the things that he mentioned. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. In other words, and I think he's trying to make a point. He's saying, look, I, I, I've been a Jew since infancy. <laughs> you know, uh, this wasn't, I wasn't one of those people that came around later and became a follower of Judaism later on in life. No, 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 no. See, I was always in this faith. All right, eight days old, my parents went ahead and circumcised me. And, and many had, had put their faith in the ritual of circumcision, which was commanded. It was very clearly commanded. It was a part of the covenant of God's people. God wanted his people, those young boys at eight days old, to be circumcised. Yes, he did command that, but he didn't want you to rely on that for being right with him. While it helped you and while it was something that was commanded, some people had used that as just a badge of, well, that happened to me when I was eight days old. I'm, that proves I'm right with God. We got to be careful for those types of thinking. Then he says, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. 
In other words, you know, I'm descended from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. My, I have a heritage that many Jews have left behind. Many Jews in that day had really been sucked in, maybe the, the Hellenistic culture, the Greeks, the Romans, and they had really kind of left a lot of their Jewish heritage. But Paul's like, no, 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 not me. I'm pure-blooded. My heritage is Jewish, and I, that is who I am. But still, no one's made right by God just because of the family they were born into. I can't tell you how many times, especially in the South, you just hear, oh, I, I grew up in a Christian home. As if to say, that makes me fine. Like, you don't need to go any further in this spiritual conversation because I was born into a Christian home. Okay, great. But I'm going to continue on this conversation because just because you were born into what you call a Christian home, that, that doesn't mean that you just rely on that to, in your standing with God. You got to be careful of what you are putting your confidence in when you are standing before God or trying to live your life right with God. Paul's saying, hey, I, I was a, man, I was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. He said, and then he goes even further, you know what? I know what, I know what tribe I'm from. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. So he's just trying to tell you his pedigree. What is it so special about the tribe of Benjamin? Well, to, to Jews, that, that, that had a lot of specialness to it. Uh, first of all, Man, Rachel was the, the wife that Jacob really loved, right? And, and, and Benjamin was a son that was born, the only son she had born in the promised land. From the tribe of Benjamin came Israel's first king, Saul. That was from the tribe of Benjamin. You ever heard of Mordecai? Yeah. Right? Helped Esther? He's from the tribe of Benjamin. After the kingdom was split, after Solomon and all, all that happened, guess what city Jerusalem sits in? in the tribe of Benjamin, that territory of Benjamin, the city of Jerusalem. So there, there are many reasons uh, why Benjamin was just considered, a, wow, this is kind of a noble tribe. And so Paul says, hey, you know, I'm even from the tribe of Benjamin. Still can't rely on that to base your confidence before God. Now, now being circumcised at eight days old, coming from the tribe of Benjamin, all this stuff, Paul didn't really have any say in that. I mean, that was... <laughs> Genetics, birth, what well, he had no say, right? But now he, he starts talking about some things that he did kind of have a say in. You know, talking about a real Hebrew. I think he's getting that again. Like, hey, I, you know, I might have inherited all this stuff. I might have been born in Tarsus, which isn't really in Israel. It's like Asia Minor. I might have been born outside. But you know what? I went to Jerusalem to be trained by Gamaliel. You know, I'm a Hebrew. I, I made that decision as, a, as an adult to, to do that. And so even that, even though that was his choice, he still can't rely on that to give him confidence before God, to make him right with God. I was a member of the Pharisees. They demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. You know what Pharisee really meant? Comes from a word to separate. I mean, they kind of separated themselves from their people. Really firm adherence to the law. They were really considered like the special forces, the elite, so to speak. Influential, highly respected group of men. They knew the law, interpreted the law, guarded the law from heresy. I mean, these guys were serious. He was a member of that group. But that still wasn't something he could rely on to make him right with God. He said he was zealous. So zealous he persecuted the church. Sometimes you can feel strongly about something, but it's just a feeling. You know what I'm saying? You ever, you know, I grew up with a lot of guys that talked a big game. You know what I'm saying? But then when it came down to it, they didn't do nothing. You know what I mean? Right? 
you know, it's always the guy you're going out and a bunch of dudes in high school and they're talking noise, getting into a little scuff, everybody fake holding each other back. You know what I mean, right? And then you walk away and you're like, man, I was taking that dude out. You know what I mean? Something, just always that guy. Man, I'd have, I'd have messed him up, you know. I'm all that. And you just go, dude, whatever. You didn't do anything. You know, you're just talking about it. Some people might have been against the, the church that was set up after Jesus and intellectually disagreed with it. Like, man, those people are messed up. That's not right. But some people like Paul did stuff about it. Paul was furious. You read those passages in Acts. He said he was furious about what those Christian people were doing. And he didn't just talk about it in the, in the synagogue, hang out at Starbucks and j sip his latte and talk about how messed up those Christians were blaspheming. No, he did something about it. He got letters from, from uh, political leaders and went in and grabbed people out of their homes, took them, put them in jail. He put, it wasn't just zeal, it was activity as well. But even though his zeal was intense, you couldn't, you couldn't deny his zeal. And you can deny his sincerity. Dude, he was sincere. But he was wrong. He was wrong. He was wrong about Jesus. He didn't understand God's plan. So he, you know, yeah, he had zeal, but that didn't make him right with God. And then he says, that's righteousness. I obeyed the law without fault, you know. I don't think he's saying I was sinless or perfect. But in other people's eyes, they looked at Paul like, wow. I can't find any fault. Paul, wow. I mean, wow. Whatever God wants, man, this guy's got to figure. I wish I could be like that, spiritual as him. I think that's what he's getting at. But even by outward appearances, if your spiritual life is exemplary by other people, that doesn't make you right with God. That doesn't make you right with God. So you can have, undergo all the proper rituals. You can be a member of God's chosen people, even from a favorite tribe. You can scrupulously maintain your orthodox heritage. You can be one of the, the known as one of the, the most devout followers of the faith. Zealous to the point of persecuting Christians, rigidly conformed to the outward requirements of Judaism. That's what Paul's saying. But guess what? At the end of the day, he came to realize that that was worthless. And it couldn't save his soul. In fact, he says, as we read, in verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Because of what? Because of what Christ has done. Say, what Christ has done. What Christ has done. Say that again. We got to learn how to talk about what Christ has done. We're good at talking about what we've done. We're real good. Real good. Tell me about your story. Yeah, bro, you know, I was, uh, I was living a messed up life and uh, really messed up. And, you know, I, I even prayed. I prayed, God, help me. Help me, God, please. And, and uh, man, I was uh, hanging out and I was at Walmart, you know, and uh, I was waiting in line. I was getting frustrated and somebody started talking to me in line and they invited me to church. And I was like, wow, no one's ever done that. And so... I went to church with and then we started doing Bible studies and they started showing me all the things that I needed to change in my life and you know what I took every single thing they told me and I started changing them I stopped drinking I stopped going out to the clubs I stopped sleeping with my girlfriend I made all these changes and you know what they were so fired up with me they were excited 
They said, you're going, you're doing great. And I was like, amen. What else you got for me? And then they said, you need to fast. So I fasted. Hey, you need to summarize the Bible study. I summarized every Bible study. Type, double space, eight pages. And I was fired up. And then I asked them, you think I'm, you are ready. Amen, I'm ready. I changed all this stuff. I repented, just like the Bible says. And now I'm ready. I, I, I'm ready to get baptized. And I got baptized. It was, I'm fired up. That's what I did. Now, that is not all horrible. Right? And many of us could say that's kind of like our story. It's kind of like mine. But we got to be careful. That we, it's, it's all about what we did. I changed it. I read the passage and so they, and I, and I fasted. And, I, and, and we struggle to realize that it's not what you've done, it's what Christ has done. You're responding to what Christ has done. Right? That's what we struggle with so much. And that's why I think we gotta, we gotta hear this message over and over again. In our culture, we're just so used to talking about ourselves and what we've done. Amen, I hope you fast, I hope you read, I hope you study with people, I hope you teach people to repent, and I hope they do repent. I hope people stop drinking too much, sleeping with whomever, right? I hope all that stuff's happened. But when we do that, let's keep reminding people. The reason why we do this is in response to the, what Jesus has done for us. It's, it's in response to what Jesus has done. Yeah, but, I, but it says to get baptized. Yeah, it said to get circumcised too. But here's the deal. It's not just that. It's not just the ritual, right? It's not just that. You need that. It's not just that. It's about the power that God gives. It's about what Jesus has done to make that even possible. We got to learn how to do that and talk about that in our normal lives. And then he says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value or the surpassing greatness, I know in many translations, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing Christ Jesus. I think this is probably one of the biggest issues for Paul. Knowing Jesus, right? Not knowing facts about Jesus. Many people can spout off facts about Jesus. Uh, knowing who Jesus is or where to find some stuff he said in the Bible. That's not what Paul is getting at here, about knowing Jesus. What he's talking about is a personal, relational, experiential knowledge of Jesus. It's deeper. It's not, and it's not mystical and secret and you have to do special things or smoke special things in order to really understand what, you know, it's not all about that. Do you know what I mean? That's not what he's getting at either. It's not something that is so inaccessible. Only a chosen few can really figure, figure this knowledge out. That's not what he's getting at. But too many of us settle for a kind of an intellectual, somewhat distant, somewhat of an acquaintance style relationship with Jesus. Many facts, maybe even memorize some passages that are particularly helpful, but that's not what he's getting at here. You know, it's, it's about knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Christ Jesus, Lord. Christ Jesus, Lord. Even those terms, Christ. 
if you're going to call him Christ, you're using a term that's, that's loaded. <laughs> you know, it's not just G his last name, you know, Jesus Christ, like Jeff Hickman. Hickman is my last name. Christ is Jesus' last name. No, no, no. <laughs> but some, that's how we sometimes use it, that Jesus Christ, you know. But I, I know Christ. You might call him by his last name, you know, JC. I don't know how you do it, but that's not what Christ is all about. If you're going to call him Christ, you need to acknowledge what that term talks about. You know, something that was, that was really foretold in the scriptures, you know, the anointed, the chosen one, right? The, the chosen one of Israel, the Messiah, the, the messenger, prophet of God. Jesus, the Savior, he who saves, that's his name. Read, when we get to Christmas time, we read, always read those passages about, when they name him Jesus, he's going to save his people from their sin. Savior. And Lord, that's what Paul says, right? Christ Jesus, my Lord. A lot of us don't like that aspect of it, right? The Lord, all right? Sovereign, in other words, running things, right? In charge. El jefe, right? Numero, you like, you like that, right? There we go, amen. <laughs> Numero uno, the boss. Lord. Sovereign over the, over the whole universe, not just your life, but definitely including your life. But see, that's, that's how we need to know, know Jesus, right? That's the kind of, it's, it's incredible. It's like, he's incredible. He's all this. He's way above us. He's been foretold. He was here before creation. He was through, everything was created through him. It's beyond our thinking. This same Jesus, we can know him. We can have a relationship, we can experience him, but we gotta experience him in the right way that he is Lord. Yeah. He is the Lord of our lives. Nobody ever taught that to me when I was growing up. And I heard a lot of sermons, and I, and I ran into a lot of group of people that claimed Christianity, but that whole concept of lordship, like my man, whatever Jesus wants, that's what you're gonna do. And, it, and he's not going to crack a whip on you. It's not about that. Hopefully you can be motivated by his incredible love for you. But let, at the end of the day, don't get a little too, oh, Jesus, my boy. Be careful with that. He wants to be close to you, but he has to be Lord of your life. So wait a minute. You know, what about the decisions I make? You know, some of this stuff is personal. Okay, okay, bro, it's personal. You don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but you better run it by the Lord. You know what I'm saying? You need to let the Lord dictate what you're going to do in your life. And that to me is beautiful. But at first you chafe like, huh, I, I, can do my, I can do this myself. That's, that's why Christianity is a crutch. All these weak people got to rely on the Lord to do everything. You know, I, I'm, I have wisdom. I know. That's when you can get in trouble. But that Christianity is the kind of Christianity I used to like. Claim Jesus when you need to, when it's convenient. And just do whatever you want to do for the rest of your life. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. And what else does he say? You know, he says, For Jesus' sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Some translations, dung. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Problem is, most people want to gain Christ, but they don't want to give nothing up. You know what I'm saying? Give me Jesus. Give me uh, the peace that transcends all of them. Amen. Give that to me in droves. Oh, Jesus wants to bless you. Well, bring the blessings on. 
Jesus wants to save you from your sins. Thank goodness, because I need help with that. But you know what? You're going to have to get, oh, no, I'm not giving nothing up now. No, you just need to be, I like that stuff about Jesus giving me stuff. Keep talking about that. And that's kind of how we can be. We want to hear what, no, no, no. But no, I appreciate what Paul is saying here. You, you got to be willing to let some stuff go. Discard. And even look at it and say, well, man, I'm not going to rely on this anymore. As a matter of fact, this is garbage. This is excrement. What is it for you? What, what, what are you willing to let go so you can gain Christ? Because here's the deal. If, you're, if your life is so full of all the other stuff you want to hold on to, man, you ain't got, you, you're not going to be able to gain Christ. You got to let stuff go. Paul had to let go all the stuff he wrote, all the stuff he talked about, all that he built his whole life on. You know, some of us, are, we build our lives on certain things, you know, whether it's our business or our reputation or whatever. We just, we take a lot of time. Look at your checkbook and look at your appointment book. That's probably what you've been building your life on. Who you've been spending time with, what you've been spending time doing, right? That's, you'll figure it out what you've been spending your money on. That's probably what you're building your life on. But sometimes that's the very thing that keeps you from gaining Christ because you're not willing to let it go. Because sometimes those are the things that keep us from becoming one with Christ. Becoming one with him, being found in him. Some translations say being found in Christ. Wow, what an incredible truth. We're not just here to follow his teachings. We need to be found in Christ. Wow, you can do a, you do a Bible study on Romans chapter 6 where you, you die to yourself. You die with Christ and you're united with him through baptism. Incredible. You can become one with him. You can become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. These are incredible truths. In him is something Paul talks about in many of his uh, epistles. Over 70 times, I believe, he talks about in him. That's what Jesus wanted in John chapter 17. The longest prayer recorded in scripture of Jesus. He prayed, Father, may they be one as we are one. Jesus wants to be one with us. He doesn't just want you talking about, oh, I follow Jesus. No, he wants to be one with you. He wants to know you deeply, but he needs to be your Lord. And you need to be willing to discard certain things in your life and count them as rubbish so that you can gain Christ. Some of us haven't gained Christ because we're not willing to give up what's in the world. Man, sometimes you got to have enough of the world to realize the world is not enough. But some of you still haven't learned the lesson. And your ladder is leaning up against the world and gaining whatever you can in the world. And that's what your ladder's leaned up against. Man, you're going to toil to get all the way to the top of it and realize, wow, all this time I've been gaining, trying to gain the wrong thing. Wow. Is that the way you want to go out? Wow, I sure don't, man. I don't. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, devote so much time to my career, which happens to be a spiritual one, right? Ministry. And neglect my family. That would stink. Accept all these promotions or whatever, here or there, speaking engagements or whatever. Right? And, and, and then come home and my wife's not happy and my kids don't. Who are you, by the way? I'm not, I don't want, I'm, I struggle enough as it is now and I don't do all, you know, all that. But, I, you know, I want to have a tight relationship with my wife. 
and love her the way she, she deserves, right? And have the type of friendship that we need to have, right? And I want to, I want her to experience, right? I want my kids to know me. I mean, yeah, I mess up sometimes, but hopefully I apologize and hopefully we can get together. Hopefully we have fun. And I, I want those experiences, man. I don't want to just try to be the greatest this, that, or the other. I want to be close to God. I don't want to go back to my college reunions and, and, and feel like I got to talk about all the things that I did at my job. I don't want to get all into that. I don't want to have to feel like I got to buy a new car in order to be accepted. And I, I don't want all that. But some of you do. Really? I mean, some of you do. But are you willing to discard it? Right? Let it. It's not going to save you. Seek God. Gain Him. Be found in Him. Have a new life, a new creation. And guess what? All that stuff you've been toiling for, who knows? Who knows? Maybe God will give it to you anyway. Maybe He won't. Maybe He'll give you some even different way better. You got to figure that thing out. And I think Paul's helping us. We can follow his example. You know, he said, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I read this quote, <clears throat> excuse me. When I was studying this, it said, all people by nature seek salvation by the law. They set up some standard which they mean to comply with and expect to be saved by conformity to that. Wow. I, th I think that's true. That we set up our own standards. Some of it is the law of honor. Some of it the law of honesty. But others it's the law of kindness and courtesy. And if they, if they comply with the requirements of these laws, they suppose they will be safe with God. You gotta be careful you don't set up your own standard for what's righteous. That ain't, that, ain't, that ain't gonna do it for you. The only standard of righteousness, guess what, it's obeying God perfectly. And guess what, if I ask you, hey, how many of you guys have obeyed God perfectly in the last 30 minutes? <laughs> now one of you would raise your hand, you know what I'm saying? Let alone a life. So stop. However, there is one life. There is one person who did live a sinless life who actually lived in obedience to God, who actually fulfilled the role that he was made to fulfill, and he did it. And that's Jesus. And that'll be the only one who ever live a life that's righteous in God's eyes. So if I were you, I would try to be found in Christ. And I would try to say, I'm, my standards are your standards, God, I can't meet, sorry, I can't do it. Jesus did, I, I want to be found in him. That's where I want to be. That's safety, all right? That's, that's safety, all right? It's not safe to go, yeah, but if I just treat people the right way, as long as I don't do things that hurt other people, as long as my good deeds outweigh my bad, as long as I'm not messing up as bad as the other people around me, I mean, those are the standards that we, we just so easily begin to create around our lives but they will not make you right with God. You need to get right with God. You must get right with God before it's too late. 
and you don't know when the too late is. And some of you have been procrastinating, making excuses, and you need to get serious about being right with God. But here's the deal. Jesus wants to know you. He wants to experience relationship with you. It is not just about following rules. There is something dynamic in walking with Jesus that is powerful and incredible. And he invites you to walk with him. And he wants to help you through this life. If you will just respond to him. In verse 10, Paul said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That's amazing. And I don't think he means, he, Paul, I don't think Paul's writing like, oh, cool, I want somebody to kill me. And then I want, you know, see if Jesus, you know, raised me from the dead so I can see what that felt like. I don't, I don't think that's what he's talking about. What I think he's talking about is I think he's making a decision in his life. He said, you know, there's no power in just trying to be a rule keeper. You, you know, I can just be a rule keeper and try to follow the, the rules all the time, but there's no power in that to really make me right with God. You know what I mean? There, there's no power in just my flesh and just my body. There, there's just no power there to make me right with God. I, man, I, I can't really, I mean, there's some good in there, but that, that's not powerful. You got to decide, man, there's no power in greed, a life of greed. There's no power in that. There's no power in just trying to hook up with as many girls or guys or whatever that you can and just so you can feel good about yourself. You know, there, there, what? There's no power in that life. Waking up the next morning, what in the world was I doing? I mean, what is this? A dodging the phone calls. You know what I'm saying? There's no power in that life. But you've got to decide that. There's no power in willpower, right? You've got to figure that one out too. I mean, how many times? I will never do this again. Oh my gosh, I will never. Oh God, if you just help me out this one time, I will never do this again. A week, the next week, you're doing the same stuff. There's no power in willpower. At the end of the day, there's definitely enough power in willpower to save you from not being right with God. What? Come on. Indulging in everything you want to do. There's no power in that. I think Paul's like, I want to experience the power. What is it like? What is it, what is it like to totally allow God's power to change my whole life? As I'm living, as I'm living my life, right? I think that's what he's getting at. You don't have to just like, like your heartbeat stops and then you have to have this new power to, no, you can have it now, right now. You can live a life of power, the same type of power that raised Jesus from the dead. And I believe that's through God's spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is that, I believe when we really get it, when we get baptized into Christ, get the gift of that Holy Spirit, wow, we have that power living within us. You know, we, we might be jars of clay, but we got that power in us. That spirit that's not a spirit that just conforms to our flesh, but a spirit that, that is desirous to be connected with God the Father, to follow Jesus. That spirit that be, that's within us. We get to experience that on a daily basis, not just on Sunday when they sing a song you like. Right? No, that's not the type of power I think Paul's getting at. But this spiritual power that, that helps you to even serve when you don't want to serve. The, ty the type of power that helps you to think about others' needs even above your own? Wow. Like on a consistent basis. Wow. The type of power that allows you to hear things said to you 
that you might not like, but you don't even react. You take it in and you have a spiritual power within you that, that has patience and, and this kindness within you. And you somehow are able to, to take that on without reacting and you take it in like Jesus did with Lazarus' sisters. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. He didn't react. He just took it in. He just said, but respond from that other place within yourself. Not from the flesh, but from the spirit. That, that's the type of power I think we can live with. You know, Jesus didn't retaliate when people, no, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. To be able to live like that? Wow. Because I don't live like that as much as I want to. Which shows me I can still grow and mature. That, that, that inspires me. Because I'm not there yet. All right, I'm, I'm almost done. Where does the time go? Okay, so. Okay, all right. This next part, Paul says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. All right, stop right there. I want to suffer with him. How many of you are really excited about that? I don't know. I mean, wow, that's, that's a hard one. I want to suffer with him. <clears throat> but you know, the scriptures teach us that we're called to suffer. Right? Peter talks about that. You know, we're actually called to suffer. You know, even Jesus, when uh, he was talking to, trying to help Saul, right, become a follower, he's going to have to learn what it means to suffer in my name. Suffering is a part of this gig. It really is. However, if we're with Jesus, walking in, in response to his life with the power that he's given us, we have actually a relationship with Jesus, not just about a bunch of rituals and rules that we're relying on, but we have a relationship with him. We're actually living this way. You know, there's something about suffering that we, 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 we're so connected to Jesus that we have a better chance of suffering well in a way that actually can help others. Our suffering is, it's redemptive when you're a Christian. Like, there's going to be something that, that good is going to come out of it somehow, some way. Even, even to the point of death. I appreciate Douglas. He, he travels the world. He, he, he helps us. I think he, he helps me. I'll speak for myself. <clears throat> Sometimes the stories he tells me, it just helps me to realize the world is a big place. There are Christians all over the world and there's some things that they're enduring that we're not. And, and we've mentioned, I think Douglas mentioned a, a brother of ours uh, who's in some Somalia, Faisal. And uh, Faisal, <coughs> some of his family members uh, actually ratted him out for lack of a better term. And uh, in a Muslim country and, and basically say he's a you know, he's converted to Christianity. And so they imprisoned him. So your, your brother Faisal has been in prison uh, in Somalia. And uh, the report that we've recently received is that uh, after Ramadan ends, which is day after tomorrow, they're going to execute him for becoming a Christian, I mean, for his faith. They're going to kill him. That's, that's the, the plan that they have. 
I want to know Christ and suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. How would you handle that? And what are we supposed to pray for? I, I mean, I know, I, I mean, I'm praying that he doesn't, I mean, I, I guess for me, I'm praying he doesn't get executed. I'm praying that, I don't know, there's a stay, something happens. Uh, uh, Doug, he has a family, right? Does he, he's got a family. So for, for me, in my heart, I, I don't want him to die. I don't know Faisal, I've never met him. I mean, but he's, you know, he's our brother. But, but, but what if that's God's will? Man. But at the end of the day, let's say it is God's will. What is Faisal going to... I, I, I got to believe that he's been praying. And I, I got to believe he's, he's praying to Jesus. Like, if this is the way I'm going to go out, you know, may glory come to you. Maybe it'll help somebody else. Somehow, maybe my suffering will redeem others. But see, that's, I, I just think that's real life right there. That sometimes in the Atlanta area, we just, yeah. Poof, we, we, we're arguing about the traffic in Cobb County because of the stadium. Dude, whatever, man. You know what I'm saying? There's people dying for their faith. You know what I mean? And so I think, I think there's something that what Paul's getting at. Let's not be afraid of the suffering. Let, let's, figure out, let's figure out that when we do find ourselves suffering, can we not react to it in the flesh? Amen. Pull out our sword, chop off somebody's ear, right? Like Paul, Peter. But let's respond from that Holy Spirit place, from that, that, that deeper place, that place that really walks with Jesus, that knows Jesus, and respond from that place and say, Jesus, your suffering was unjust and you still endured it close to God. I'm going to do the same thing. Okay, I can do the same thing. I can do this. You gave me the power to do this. <coughs> Excuse me, I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't want this suffering. I got to be honest. But come to think of it, you didn't even want to suffer on the cross either. Man, I can connect with you in that. But you said, not, 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 not my will be done, yours, Father. Okay, so I got to just say, you know what? It's not about me. Okay, I'm suffering, but man, there's something else that can come out of this. I think if we can live our lives from that place, wow, it's powerful. And that is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul wrote the same thing, didn't he? You remember that? <clears throat> so what can you do with what we've read? What I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to take some time this week and study Matthew chapter 19. I think that would be great. Thanks, AP. Appreciate it. Matthew 19, 16 and following. Take some time and study that. Because I believe it's an example of someone that didn't understand what we've been talking about. He didn't understand the surpassing greatness of following Christ. It's somebody that relied on his own self-effort to be right with God and how it didn't help him. I hope that you can leave here ha having a desire to want to know Christ more. Whether you've been in the faith for decades or just a few weeks, I want you to get to the point where you can say some of the same things that Paul has said. I want you to take some time to think about your life. What matters to you the most? What, what are you spending the time in your life the most doing?
And is that what God wants you to be doing? Just ask those questions. Get together maybe with a friend, a trusted Christian friend. Talk about these things. Because I hope that you can know Christ deeper. Maybe something's been distracting you and you haven't been able to know him as deeply as you could. What if you're visiting with us? What if you're here and you really, you're not, you know, you know you're not walking with God. You're like, man, I'm just, somebody invited me. I'm just like, wow, this is kind of overwhelming. Wow, I don't know what to do about this. Here's what you do about this. Is you get on your knees and you pray for God to give you wisdom and guidance on what to do with your life. And, it, and if, you've, if somebody invited you, I, I, I implore you, just, just talk to that person. Get together. Pray right next to you. After we sing the last song, hey, get together and pray right where you are. You know, start the process. Just take, just take time. Commit to at least one Bible study this week. At least one. To where you sit down and open up the Bible and talk about your life. If you're visiting with us, that's what I want, I want to encourage you to do. Why, why, why show up here at 10 in the morning, listen to all this stuff, and then not do anything about it? Right? That don't make any sense. You know? You say, well, I don't like you preaching. Well, I say, that's okay. Jesus is better than me. And that's who you really need to be concerned with anyway. Amen? You know what I'm saying? So just get in the Word. Have one Bible study at least this week to where you talk about your life and how you can get right with God. Not just claim to know who he is and know facts about him, but to walk with God. That's what we want for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you have used this time in a way that will help people walk with you. We're so grateful for how much you love us, you lavish love on us, you give us Jesus and you give us a plan where we can even be found in him. And it's so amazing. I pray that we're willing to discard whatever it is in our lives that keep us from gaining more of Jesus. And Father, I pray for our brother Faisal. Never met Faisal. Never met his wife or his kids. But I pray that, uh, wow, I just want him to be able to, to live longer. I, I, that's just my prayer, Lord. But your, your will be done. But I pray he can get out of this predicament that he's in. And I pray that if he does make it out, that he can use this experience to help many people come to know you. And maybe, hey, maybe just maybe, Father, we could even get him, fly him out here and then he could just share with us the lessons that he learned. <clears throat> but Father, if your will is for him not to make it, that if, if your will is that this is the end of his earthly life, uh, I pray that he can somehow be encouraged by all the brothers and sisters praying for him. That he can know that his life has had an impact in some way to help all of us realize the surpassing greatness of knowing you, Father, and your son, Jesus, that even though we might look and stare at earthly, at the end of our earthly lives, that we can still have hope in you and faith in you and still have deep confidence that we will walk with you again in heaven. We pray in your son's name. Amen.